Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock. Aaron has served as a pastor, a chaplain, a professor, a writer, and a speaker, and he has a keen interest in helping other Christians to think Christianly about all of life. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issue, ethics, pastoral leadership, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Yeoman, and today we are going to be talking about the evil of equity hiring without Christ. Today we're going to discuss why any attempt at so-called equity, be that in employment and things like that, that is not grounded in the gospel fails and is actually contrary to the gospel. So Aaron, can you introduce this topic and explain it a bit fuller? Happy to. So this might seem like a bit of a niche topic to some, like why would we dedicate a podcast to equity hiring? How many of our listeners are actually in the business of having to worry about hiring people? But I thought it would be an interesting discussion to have because I do think it is tied to the gospel message. And so while there might be some application and things to consider if you're an employer hiring employees, there there's an underlying, I want to help people to think through some of the underlying, I guess you could say presuppositions and lies, actually, that attack the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're used to listening to my voice, you also might notice I have a bit of a cold. So I am going to attempt to keep this podcast maybe a wee bit shorter than normal, but we'll see how things go. Yesterday, the National Post, a major newspaper here in Canada, reported that Canada's liberal government wanted to, quote, mandate reverse discrimination with job quotas for black and LGBTQ people. So back in the mid to late 80s, 86 or 87, Canada came out with something called the Employment Equity Act, which I believe was pushed through by the Conservative Party at the time. And they identified four basic groups that they wanted to make sure were given more equitable opportunities at employment, especially in the government sector, so municipal, provincial, federal. Those would include women, so that women would have opportunities, for for instance, to become firefighters or police officers or whatnot. Uh, People with disabilities, um, indigenous folks. And I I can't recall off the top of my head the, the final group, but I think it might 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 have related to, to people of what were called at the time visible minorities. And by the way, I remember right around that time, I would have been 14, 15 years old, and I went to the employment center because I wanted to apply for a full-time job or a part-time job for the summer. And on the um, forms, it asked if I was a visible minority. And it might sound humorous for people to hear now. I didn't even know what that term meant. And I, I asked the lady at the employment help center. I, I don't, I don't know what a visible minority is. Like, what does that mean? I thought it had something to do with your vision. Oh. <laughs> I thought, do I wear glasses or not? What's a visible minority? I, I just didn't have a category for that term. And she's like, well, I can't tell you, but if you think you are, then you're one. But, but I don't know what the term is. <laughs> wow. And she just was very elusive with me. wouldn't Wouldn't answer my question. I don't remember whether I checked yes or no. But now that that language was just sort of coming into style mm-hmm. in in that era, and now it's part and parcel of the way people think. But now the government wants to add, uh, well, if you're a black person, whatever that means, by the way, because there's 
people are all brown. They're just shades of brown. But we have these categories. You're white. You're black. You're whatever. We're all sh shades of uh, brown. And literally, you can be hired based upon your melanin levels. So I'm not sure if they're, it sounds, I'm not meaning to be rude, but are they going to have like a color swatch that they pull out and hold up to your skin tone? Like how black, quote unquote, black do you have to be? Because there's no such thing as black, it's just shades of brown. How black do you have to be to be given <clears throat> preferential options because of your quote unquote blackness? It, it's very, it's a very strange way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And then the LGBTQ stuff, well, do you have to show, again, I'm not meaning to be crass, but you have to bring a video of who you had sex with last night to prove that you're whatever, homosexual, lesbian. Mm -hmm. How do you measure these things? And why is it that they matter so much? This is a question. Why do these things matter so much to the government of Canada <clears throat> to the point that they would add it to the Employment Equity Act? So the idea is that the government will mandate the government agencies have to hire people based upon these categories because they consider them underprivileged or perhaps even part of victim classes within society. <clears throat> it's interesting that, uh, noteworthy, I should say, that when we talk about minority groups, how do you, who determines what a minority group is? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it seems that in our country, you're in a minority group if you're not certain things. You're not white. You're not male. You're not hetero. You're not Christian. These would be considered almost bad. Um, but if we remember during the pandemic, our own prime minister identified a minority group. He actually used the word minority. Do we remember what that was? He called it a small minority, more specifically a small fringe minority, the unvaxxed. So if, if there's a real concern for the minority and you get special opportunities because of your melanin levels or who you had sex with last night or because you're disabled or because you're a woman, et cetera, why would you not throw into the mix a group that was discriminated against. They lost their jobs. They weren't allowed to leave leave the country for periods of time. <clears throat> Who the prime minister himself, with his own words, identified as a minority group. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of uh, hypocrisy here. But anyway, this article got me thinking a little bit more about a subject we've addressed here and there on previous shows. Mm -hmm. We've touched on it. Kind of an admixture of there's some feigned racism going on here but and to a lesser degree multiculturalism but m more I want to talk more about why pigeonholing people into these categories <clears throat> and either discriminating against them because of their mm -hmm. melanin melanin levels or elevating them because of their melanin levels both actually are attacks on the essence of the gospel hmm. the true inclusive Nature. And so we as Christians need to see the immorality behind true discrimination, whether it you know, cuts one way or the other. There is a kind of discrimination the Bible actually advocates for, which we'll discuss. But mm. um, also want to talk a little bit about how those that are advocating for these laws in the name of a sort of a pseudo-morality 
are anti-gospel, mm-hmm. which is the basis upon which true equity is based. So that's that's what we're going to talk about. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, when you think about morality, justice, words that might be used by our culture, but clearly they have different terms for or different understandings of them. One of the questions that we want to ask is the supposed minority groups will talk about being offered so-called equity, um, but then who do they think that the majority groups are? Yeah. Okay. So if, if we if we end up with six or 10 or 20, I'm sure the list will grow because people that consider themselves minority who want attention or greater opportunities are going to step forward and say, well, why can't we be added to the list? So suppose, suppose the Equity Act ends up having women on it. Okay, well, then the opposite of that is men. So mm-hmm. men, therefore, I guess, are the majority, which isn't true, but supposedly. If we add, add black to the list, then I suppose whites uh, would be on the other end of the spectrum. And you know, Asians, I guess, would be somewhere in between. I'm not sure how they're going to handle Asians. If we add LGBTQ, then the opposite would be heterosexuals. If we add people with disabilities, then the opposite would be people that don't appear to have disabilities, I suppose. So what the secular state, this is what people need to understand about this stuff. When you identify these various groups, it's because the secular state clearly believes that white men, especially white heterosexual men, especially white heterosexual men of a Christian persuasion, Mm -hmm holding Christian values, not necessarily even formal adherence to Christianity, hold too much power or somehow have too many opportunities in society. And so the government sees their job as essentially elevating everyone else under the label of minority. And you add those quote-unquote minority groups up, they clearly become the majority in time. It doesn't stop with the government. We know what the government decides, spills over into corporations, corporations, um, Mm -hmm. the way they handle things. If you're on Facebook, you'll have these pop-up ads show up. And it's it's very common to have, uh, I've seen a few, had some screenshots on my phone a while ago of them, of banks Mm -hmm. who are advertising their product. They'll have the picture of an employee on it. I don't know if it would be the, to the tune of 50%. It seems like almost 100%, but very frequently it's a woman wearing a hijab. Why, why would you pick a woman wearing a hijab? Because you're trying to elevate Islam as a supposed suppressed minority group in our country. This is why politicians often talk about Islamophobia, which is super strange because of how the Muslims have responded to the crisis in the Middle East right now by <clears throat> basically publicly calling for the death um, and the persecution of Jews, anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly presenting themselves as patriots to Canadian values, either Christian or secular. Mm-hmm. They're presenting Shiara law um, values at, at many of those protests. Or I saw an ad come up recently uh, from a power company, like a, a electrical supply the company that supplies electricity to our homes, championing, you know, a couple customers and it's, it's two gay men Mm -hmm. on the ad. 
So no matter where you go, corporations love to virtue signal by selecting someone who's quote unquote LGBTQ mm-hmm. or part of the Islamic religion. Generally not a male, because the male don't the males don't wear distinguishing garb in public. It's a woman because there's the hijab there which distinguishes their religious persuasion and highlighting them. It's becoming increasingly rare to see couples. <clears throat> if they are, they have to be mixed race couples. Again, we're not opposed to mixed race couples, but it's interesting the images they select mm-hmm. to continue to divide and segregate society into these various groups. And what you're not going to see is a great deal of cheering and applauding, again, when it's the white, heterosexual, Christian male who's at the center of the fray. In fact, if you're a white, able-bodied, heterosexual Christian male, you're the problem, apparently. And you sort of need to go around like our prime minister did during the BLM Marxist rallies, kneeling and apologizing to people for your for your whiteness. Well, we, we would say it's far better to hire people based upon their qualifications and their mm-hmm. capabilities, <clears throat> their experience, their ability to do a job. And I mean, if you really were concerned about racial stereotyping or prejudice, disregard the name on the resume, which might indicate ethnic origins, or disregard the gender of the person if it's not relevant to the job, even though I think gender is relevant to some jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain jobs that the female physique can accomplish a whole lot better than the male physique and vice versa. So, um, and I would just add to that, even the female personality as opposed to the male personality. For example, if I'll give you a couple examples of this. Mm-hmm. If a young woman is raped and uh, survives the rape, and is being questioned by police, it would be far better for female officers to be questioning her if she was raped by a man. Mm-hmm. Just goes without saying. If <clears throat> you need someone to lift extremely heavy objects, uh, the, the brute force of the average male is much higher than a female. Nobody needs to deny that. You don't need to get your shorts and a nod over that. It's just true. Mm-hmm. Men can lift more on average than women. You give those jobs to men. So in policing, I'm just not a fan of women <clears throat> being beat cops, getting into fights with people on the street. I'm a big fan of women being detectives and helping people who've been victims of sex trafficking or whatnot. I'm not a fan of men. Um, I'm not a fan of women in the infantry, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, you know, if you're front lines, you're in wrestling matches with people, you're apprehending people, law enforcement. Uh, I don't know, you're breaking boulders in a in a, a quarry. Those are male jobs. Then there's jobs, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you're a delivery clerk, a government official um, in retail, you know, you're, you're, whether you're male or female, probably doesn't matter as much. But there's certain mm-hmm. things, certain places it does matter. Yep. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're working in a lingerie store for female lingerie. <laughs> probably better for a woman to have that job. 100%. Um, <clears throat> So there's many jobs that it's just more suitable for a, a, a man to have or a woman to have. If if there's exceptions to the rule, 
it's, it's not the end of the world. It's not a moral issue. It's just a wisdom issue, mm -hmm. right? Um, so we, we take, I say all that to emphasize, I think your gender does need to be considered, but if you're hyper concerned that there's an employer that were, was for example, alienating people because they were quote unquote black, well, maybe you could create a, an employment process that doesn't accentuate that or even reveal that information until, you know, the 11th hour, mm -hmm. but I just don't think that happens to the degree that people think it, it happens. And in fact, this behavior of dividing and pigeonholing people and dividing people up in all these classes, it seems to me is accentuating division mm -hmm. and almost fueling racism in a degree that I never experienced or witnessed when I was younger, where we were just, we were all taught and told that everyone is equal before God and we don't. We don't treat people differently based upon their, their melanin levels. Mm -hmm. So what we have going on clearly relates back to a worldview issue. And so can you speak to that angle of things? Well, a keen, keen student of culture is going to see a couple things at play. First, you're going to see Marxism, cultural Marxism. Uh, the Marxist agenda here is seeking to suppress the Christian mind Listen to me carefully, and then I'll, I'll flesh this out. They're seeking to suppress the Christian mind, Christian influence, and the Christian worldview mm -hmm. by marginalizing her historic guardian. <clears throat> now, when I say her historic guardian, I'm not talking about back to the first century because the historic guardians of first century Christianity were Jews. And then in the next couple of centuries, many of them would be of Mediterranean origin mm -hmm. or of African origin. But from, I would say, the third, fourth century onward, again, there's always been people of a variety of ethnicities involved in the global Christian movement. One of the most notable historical guardians of Christianity, this is just a fact, it's not a racial thing, are white people. Mm -hmm. Christianity flourished for many, many centuries in Europe. And the many of the great historical Christian nations were in Europe. Now, again, does this mean there, there weren't Christians in India? Of course there were. I, know, I understand that. In Asia, yes. In Africa, yes. I get it. But Christianity dominated Europe for many, many centuries. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because there's something special in the veins, uh, special in the, in the blood of, the, of people from European heritage or whatever. Um, it seems to me that if the world endures, there's, gonna, there's going to, if not, you know, has been already a shift mm -hmm. away from the European nations to other nations that will become guardians of the Christian faith. In fact, in the United States, there are more blacks that identify with Christianity to the tune of about 10% more than whites that identify with Christianity. Hmm. And I, I, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think Latinos might be a, a close third, or maybe they, they might even surpass um, whites in terms of their allegiance to the, the Christian religion. I'm not necessarily yep. talking about people of a specific evangelical persuasion. 
So the, the reality is, is that in broad strokes, with plenty of exceptions, mm -hmm. Europeans built Western civilization, more or less. Mm -hmm. And Western civilization has to stop in order for the Marxist agenda to be successful. So what do you do in order to stop the growth of Western civilization in order to propagate Marxism? You have to attack its historic guardians. So you have to relegate people of Christian heritage to the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And this is the Marxist agenda. It's happened before in history to different groups where the Germans basically convinced much of Europe that Jews were scum. And then you relegate them to the margins. And Marxists have convinced the population that white people are bad. So you relegate mm -hmm. them to the margins. And you do that under the guise of elevating people that are supposedly victims mm -hmm. or marginalized. I was talking to a Christian brother some time ago who, who's of African descent. He has much higher melanin levels than I do. We'll just say it that way. And he was trying to convince me that even if I didn't know it, I was a racist. And he clearly been influenced by, by critical theory, mm -hmm. uh, cultural Marxism. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, but, I, but I'm not, but you are, you just don't know it. It's, it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. If you make racial statements, you're a racist. If you claim not to be a racist, you're a racist. Mm -hmm. Because you're white, you just have to be a racist. This is critical theory expressed specifically in um, cultural Marxism's attack on the white male because they're the historical guardians of Christianity from, again, roughly speaking, the time of Constantine to, to recent times. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is Christianity isn't a white man's religion. Right. It's not. It's spread around the globe. There's, uh, in the last hundred years, especially with the growth of the missionary movements, there's churches all over the earth that are far healthier than many of the churches in Canada, for example, or other Western nations. Go to England, try to find a, a thriving evangelical church. You're going to go to many places, you just can't find one. Mm -hmm. So there's many areas of the world. If you want to go to a Christianized nation, there's many areas of the world you'd want to pick to live in outside of Europe. So it's changed. But the point I want to make is that Christianity is not a white man's religion. Unlike many other world religions that are tied to ethnicity. So there's there's a heavy Arab influence and emphasis in uh, Islam. Mm -hmm. Are there white people that are Muslims? Yes. Are there Asians that are Muslims? Yes. But they see uh, the Arabic religion as the superior religion to pray in, to read the um, Quran in, and it's really important for you to learn some Arabic in order to fully function as a Muslim. Well, there might be a few people in our church that know a few Greek or Hebrew words, but no one is suggesting that you can't be a fully functioning, vibrant Christian who only speaks English or who only speaks French mm -hmm. or who only speaks Spanish or whatever. In fact, uh, Revelation 7, 9, I would dare people to find this kind of es eschatological vision in any other world religion where it says, <clears throat> after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, 
and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. The eschatological vision is that the kingdom of God expands. It becomes a global phenomenon. Mm -hmm. People from all ethnicities, tongues, tribes, and nations are worshiping in the eternal kingdom at the feet of the Lamb of God who shed his blood for the sins of the world. That's not an ethno-specific religion. That's not a white man only only's religion. Yes, at certain points in time, there were a majority of white people, if you want to call them that. There were Christians and were, in a sense, guardians of the faith. But that changes over time. Mm -hmm. And it is changing, and it has changed over time. But Marxism presupposes that it's a white man's religion, and therefore— if you pull back the curtain and then pull back the next curtain and pull back the next curtain and you know go through the layers of thinking on this, equity hiring is two or three curtains back, just another Marxist attempt to suppress Christianity and to <clears throat> bring to the forefront people of influence. It doesn't even make sense because, again, especially in the U.S., there's more greater number of blacks that identify with Christianity than in than in Canada, but to bring to the forefront minority groups that they're hoping won't champion the Christian faith uh, to the degree that historical Europeans have. Hmm. So that's the agenda behind the agenda behind the agenda. Mm -hmm. Now, the second thing that <clears throat> we need to be aware of is, is in terms of worldview is what's sometimes called standpoint epistemology. So epistemology within philosophy is the study of knowledge. How do we know? And standpoint, think of viewing something from your standpoint, mm -hmm. is an epistemological system which seeks to derive knowledge from the standpoint of various classes of people rather than from the unchanging word of God. So let me back up the train here a little bit. In my youth, <clears throat> one of the biggest enemies to Christian knowledge, to the word of God, to the word of Christ, to the knowledge of Christ, was what we would call individualistic relativism. It's like, well, Chris, what's good for you may not be good for me. I have my own values. You have your own values. You do what you want. I do what I want. <clears throat> it's it's a contradiction. It's impossible to, to have a vibrant relationship when you can't even agree on basic morals. But that relativism, that relativistic mindset, that mm -hmm. knowledge, that wisdom is grounded in the individual comes from within. Just trust yourself. Whatever you believe, you can believe. Whatever I believe, I can believe. And mm -hmm. no, there's no right or wrong. This is individualistic relativism. Well, that has essentially turned into what you could call class relativism. So it's a movement away from the individual determining what's right or wrong to a, a particular artificial class of people determining what's right or wrong from their standpoint. So standpoint epistemology, or we could call it standpoint relativism, <clears throat> is the idea that my class has its own view of the world. So if I'm white or black or LGBTQ or disabled or a woman or a man or whatever classifications we make up, some of which are you know, ontological realities, some of which are just made up fairy tale categories, of, um, of humanity, that I, <clears throat> I have a unique vantage point and the way I see the world is as valid as the way you see the world, 
even though we may disagree on that. And I, my class needs equal opportunity to present its standpoint as your class does. And this is just relativism repackaged instead of given to the individual, given to a group. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a demonic agenda here. There's some demonic genius because if the individual <clears throat> says, well, I believe this, he can easily be exposed or attacked because no one's standing with him, right? Well, you believe what you believe I want. Well, I disagree with what you believe and you can attack that person. But when you put people into groups, now they have a team on their side. They have cheerleaders. So I can say, well, I'm black and I want to champion my blackness. <clears throat> we, we hear that language. Um, I want to champion my blackness, my black <clears throat> worldview, my black perspective. What does it even mean to be black? I mean, there's there's blacks from Africa that come from radically different cultures than blacks from the southern U.S. or blacks from New York mm -hmm. or blacks that are living in have been living in Europe for generations. What does that even mean? It's an artificial construct, but it's predicated upon this belief that there are classifications of people, and these classifications of people can concoct their own reality their own epistemology, and everyone else needs to honor that and champion that. So in the public sphere, in the polis, we need equal representation from all these different classes and all of their viewpoints and all of their perspectives are equal. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're Euro, who's Christian, who's hetero, who's able-bodied, and God forbid, has a Y chromosome. And unvaxxed. And is, is unvaxxed. <laughs> yeah, and is unvaxxed. Um, so those are some worldview things that are coming into play. The keen observer of culture will see the Marxist agenda in, in the equity hiring movement yep. and on that basis alone reject it and see the standpoint epistemology uh, coming through and on that basis alone um, mm -hmm. reject it. Yep. So what would be some other main reasons to object to equity hiring? So I'm going to give you a practical reason, a sociological reason, and then a theological reason. So the, the practical reason is it's the same problem in reverse. Mm -hmm. So even if it were true that you had two groups, X and Y, uh, maybe that's not great because you think chromosomes, yeah, okay. but um, a particular group a and, and another B. group, A yeah. and B, yeah. but then A comes before B, so that might okay. suggest superiority. Um, so whatever you, whatever analogy works for you to, to solve the conundrum. But even if it were true, we'll just use X and Y. Even if it were true that group X had an advantage, you don't correct the issue by giving group Y the, advan the new advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a supposedly fairer advantage, they argue, because to hire them, to give them the advantage of being hired because of their blackness, because of mm -hmm. their femaleness because of their disabledness, whatever category you want to put them in, is actually, in order to do that, you must accentuate their differences. Take, for example, uh, the inconsistency of um, Harvard Business School. So Harvard Business School put out an article this year, and the article's entitled The Six, Six Best Practices for Creating an Inclusive and Equitable Hiring Process. So I'm sure all the uh, corporations that really want to score big on, on uh, their woke scores will le lean into this. We want to be inclusive and equitable. So <clears throat> at the beginning, it says, for example, you, you need to remove 
gendered language or idioms that may be associated with gender or specific ethnic group. Okay, fine. You know, maybe maybe you, you use he, she pronouns instead of he all the time or whatever. And, and then they emphasize their goal as inclusivity. But then they suggest using filters when you're reviewing applications and to deliberately type in, like find people that have unique associational differences. So type in like the black, whatever, professional students association hmm. or let people that are associated with a, a, a student um, Latino group or pride, which is the LGBTQ hmm. stuff, pride groups. So you're on one hand, the article's like, hey, to be inclusive, let's get rid of any uh, gender-laden language or idioms that may you know, be Eurocentric. Uh, just be sensitive to those issues. But then, you're, but then you're deliberately doing searches and using filters to find people based upon their racial, racial classifications or their sexual preferences. So in, intrinsic to that process <clears throat> is exclusion and division. It's excluding potentially good candidates that aren't part of the black students association, mm -hmm. that aren't Latino, that aren't gay. And it also further divides people, which inclusion is supposed to be like everybody's kind of the same, like we're all in, but you're you're adding labels to people. You're, you're pigeonholing people into these categories. And in some respects, it's also nonsensical because on a very practical level, no matter how hard you try, it's impossible mm -hmm. to be truly inclusive. I would point out that the article's written in English. It's not written in Swahili. It's not written in uh, all the sub-languages of uh, Indonesia. So you're picking a language and then you're you're presuming that a person can read the English language or the English language is sufficient to even interview someone in. So there, there's always a certain, a certain level of unintended discrimination. We, we say this in our church, like we, we worship in English. That's the language that we speak. So if someone comes here that doesn't speak English, Mm -hmm. Well, in theory, we, we love on them. We, we'd love for them to worship with us, but you, you either have to learn English or go to a church that speaks the language you speak. I got, it's, that's just part of the reality of the world. Mm -hmm. If you want to worship with us as a congregant, but you're born in another country and you're not allowed into Canada, well, we're sorry, but... You'll have to find a church in your home country. Mm -hmm. So there's there's always unintended discrimination that takes place in all the decisions that we make. And it's not necessarily a sinful thing. It's just part of the world. Now, it is, I'm going to throw something out. It's notable, too, when it comes to hiring and equity, that uh, God, uh, the Bible, doesn't even advocate for equity in hiring. People might be surprised by that, but the Bible does not advocate for a vision where everyone gets paid the same. It just doesn't. You can thumb through your Bible from mm -hmm. Genesis to Revelation. You're just not going to find that. It it doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't suggest that 
that there needs to be equal opportunity for all for every job. It just, it just doesn't. So let me give you an example of this in Matthew 20, verses uh, 15 to 16. <clears throat> Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity so the last will be first and the first last? We have the parable of the talents where people mm. get different allotments of money. When you're born, we don't all live 70 years to the day and then die. Yep. We, we're not all of the same stature. We're not all, all of the same strength. We're not all of the same health. We're not all of the same intellect. We don't all have the same art, artistic skills. We don't all have the same mathematical skills, verbal skills, mm -hmm. athletic skills. Like if we're, if we're truly into equity, then why are they not going to invite 50-year-old Aaron Rock to run the 100 meter at the next uh, Olympic Games? Because I don't know of any white 50-year-old Canadian men that aren't sprinters that have ever won the 100 meter. Where's, where's the uh, outcry in that? Mm -hmm. Why... Why am I not invited? Why can't I, you know, run the hundred meter in three and a half minutes and get the gold uh, medallion for my efforts? Mm -hmm. Because I don't qualify. I'm too old. I'm not fast enough. I don't have the skill sets. Do I sit around sucking on my thumb because I wasn't born with speed? Because I didn't get into the Olympic Games when I was younger? <clears throat> it's it's all smoke and mirrors. When when you have a beauty contest, let's say there's a, 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 of course, things are changing now. Apparently, guys can win beauty contests. But up to the recent time, if you had Miss America, uh, Miss America pageant, I can guarantee that Chris Yeoman's not going to try out a win, right? <laughs> I was just imagining you in <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> we won't go bathing there. <laughs> suit. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Um, so right there, you... It's like, well, sorry, dude, you can't join because you're you're a male. Sorry, you can't join because you're not good looking. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you're a female, not all females, I'm not trying to offend. I'm just speaking reality. Not all females are as pretty as the next female. It's just a reality. Not all men are as good looking. But as Christians, like we don't care about those things. The gospel is the great leveler. Mm -hmm. yeah. But in the world, on one hand, there's... You have to be beautiful or talented to be a Hollywood movie star, to get the starring roles. Mm -hmm. But we're into equity hiring. Mm -hmm. you, you have to be fast and able to, you know, complete the 100 meter in whatever, under 10 seconds to, to get to the Olympics. And 99.999% of the world cannot do that, but we're into equity hiring. Mm -hmm. We're not going to hire someone to teach physics of the local university who has a grade three level education that knows nothing about physics. Well, equity hiring, oh, you know, why, you know, why can't I get in? I have my grade eight diploma, my grade 12 mm -hmm. diploma. I just, I identify as a physics professor. So why can't I get in? So the fact of the matter is, is that in all of life, there's a measure of discrimination. You don't hire someone to frame your house that doesn't even know what a two by four is. Mm -hmm. You don't hire someone to fix your toilet that doesn't know the difference between a flathead screwdriver and a plunger. There's an expectation that you have, you're in the right place. Mm -hmm. You have to be a certain age for certain sports. 
You have to be a certain gender. You have to look a certain way for certain roles. But God forbid that literally everyone shouldn't be able to apply for a government job and receive special status because they have this is how ridiculous our culture is because of who they had sex with the night before or how much melanin they have in their skin. And we have Christians who are like, this is so Christian. This is this sounds like revelation, the the, the vision of revelation where Man, if we could just make sure that on our church staff, there's an equal number of elders from every ethnicity, or in our place of employment, there's an equal number of people who are disabled and, and able-bodied. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the gospel. It's something else. And <clears throat> secondly, and I, I suppose I've already bridged into this a little bit, um, any true sinful discrimination. So not, there's a, I guess you could say a good kind of, a necessary kind of discrimination. Mm-hmm. Can you swing a hammer? Okay, I'll let you build my house. If you can't swing a hammer, I'm not letting you build my house. Are you a female? Yes. Okay, we'll let you into the beauty pageant. Um, can you actually run the 100 meter? Okay, we'll let you in. There's there's necessary discrimination. Mm-hmm. But where God forbids um discrimination uh and where it becomes sinful is that when people are supposedly barred from access to worship mm-hmm. or uh, ministry in the church because of for instance their their wealth or lack thereof mm-hmm. um the christian church and early christian missionaries were inclusive in a biblical sense yep. not in the pseudo pagan, Marxist, we hate Christian sense of the word. Paul uh, In Acts 28, which I intend to preach this week, Paul finally has an audience with Jews in Rome. And it actually goes pretty good for him for a bit. He's chatting away, they're listening, more and more people are coming. And he's saying a lot of things, speaking for extended periods of time. We don't know everything he said, but we know it was, a, it was an extended period of time. And then... <clears throat> his audience got upset with him and many walked away. And this is why they walked away in his statement. He said that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. That's inclusivity. It's been sent to the Gentiles and the Jews flipped out who, who were racial exclusivists, even though they were benefiting by living in Gentile territory economically. Uh, when he said, basically, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all men, they flipped out. They just couldn't imagine that. And while there are some naive Christians that seem to think that equity hiring is some sort of a gospel practice, they fail to see that it's actually antichrist because it presupposes human benevolence, love, mercy, morality, righteousness apart from Christ, which is impossible is impossible. And it creates a pseudo gospel, a gospel that says we can be inclusive apart from the gospel. And you can't. This is why it's a pseudo gospel. It's pseudo inclusivity. It's fake. The BLM movement is fake. Marxism is fake. These are pseudo gospels. Equity hiring, it's fake because it's not as a result of an encounter with Christ. It's a pseudo morality And it creates a gospel that says men can be united Mm -hmm. 
and love each other and be equitable apart from repentance and faith in God. Right. So it's antichrist. When you, when your church, when your pastor preaches and claps for the BLM movement, uh, for, for things associated with cultural Marxism, for equity in hiring, thinking that somehow, oh, this is, this sounds like gospel inclusivity, that people can be moral and whatnot apart from the transformative work of the gospel. It's a pseudo gospel. It's a pseudo gospel. Um, it's the same with those that are Christian nationalists, by the way, that think you can, the solution is to fix the world by imposing morality upon people. That's not what we're doing. I still, I'm, I'm still very comfortable being called a Christian nationalist, but I, listen to my other podcasts in terms of defining what that means. I don't allow other people to define definitions for me. Fundamentally, it's that every culture has to have a, a, a moral code to function and in a properly ordered society, the laws of God are the only ones that work, okay? But that's, that's a real short summary of my beliefs in that regard. But these are pseudo gospels that purport to unite men apart from repentance and faith in our one true king. Here's the kind of equity or inequity that God forbids. I'll, I'll take people to James 2. This is the kind of inequity of discrimination that God chastises the Christian church for. It says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which is promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. For not the rich, for are not the rich, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court. And they, and they not the ones, are, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name uh, by which you were called? So here we have a reminder that in the Christian church, no, we don't we don't discriminate based upon someone's um, paycheck. Uh, this happens in churches. You, you go into some big churches, like oh, how, that's interesting. How come every elder is wealthy? Hmm, interesting. Oh, because we want guys that can handle money well. Well, if it just happens to work out that way that every elder is wealthy, fine. But if if very few people in your church are wealthy. It's kind of weird that you don't have just average income earners as elders or even men that don't make a great deal of money as elders in the church. Maybe you need to rethink whether or not you are hand-selecting people because of worldly views of power or influence mm -hmm. or godliness. So someone comes into the church. I mean, obviously, if someone comes in and they <clears throat> they stink and they smell and they're, they're, they, they're disruptive uh, you know, you might want to have a conversation with them for their own benefit. Um, there's probably some disorder in their lives that needs mm -hmm. to be addressed. But the guy that comes in that's just, you know, dressed in basic clothing that doesn't have the money to buy the fancy duds, who nevertheless is faithful to the Lord and is faithful to his calling and faithful to his job, 
shouldn't be treated any differently than the the multimillionaire mm-hmm. in the Christian church. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of discrimination that God um, speaks out against. Mm-hmm. So here's where I want to land the plane. I want to share three things, and then we'll wrap it up because my voice is pretty much toast. Number one, we are all <clears throat> welcome as full participants in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. In the kingdom of God, the the rich and the poor, black and white, if you want to use those categories, every shade in between, although the Bible just talks about ethnoi or nations or tribes, all tribes and tongues and languages are welcome in the Christian church. People who have sinned, whether they have murdered, committed sins of adultery, homosexuality, theft, um, treason, whatever it might be, they they are welcome to repent of their sins and find life and liberty in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we welcome those that are blind, that that cannot hear, that uh, are in wheelchairs, that have crutches, that are very old and very young. There's there's no discrimination that mm-hmm. takes place. The Christian church should, in that respect, be the most inclusive gathering of people on the planet. And I'll just tell you this: it is, it is. Um, that's what binds us together. Not our Arab uh, roots, not our European roots, not our economic status. It's mm-hmm. the fact that we've encountered the king. Secondly, the rich and poor will always be among us. And so will the better equipped and the lesser equipped. So will the young and the old. So will yep. better runners and very slow people. Yep. Our job is not to somehow pretend those things don't exist or give everyone equal opportunity in employment, uh, regardless of how they their, their circumstances mm-hmm. are, are in life, but to bring gospel values uh, to bear on hiring practices if we're Christian employers and to undergird our hiring with those values. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> this is like a negative, but it's important. Just don't trust those. Don't ever trust people that reject Christ but claim some Christ-like benevolence. I do not trust any politician, any police officer, any person in a position of authority that rejects Christ but claims to be benevolent. I I see through the curtain. You might need to pull back a few curtains to really get Mm -hmm. to their their true motives, but it is not true benevolence. It is not Christ-likeness. Whenever the government steps forward and tries to act benevolent, I just don't believe it. They have antichrist motives. So don't call good evil mm-hmm. when yeah. uh, or evil good when it's the opposite. And equity practice, uh, equity hiring practices are neither rooted in a biblical philosophy of work. And in light of the cultural Marxism and the antichrist, antinomian ideologies of our age, they're not, they're not. They don't actually exist for what they're presenting themselves to exist mm-hmm. for. They're, these practices exist to suppress the Christian church. People might, well, that's a big stretch. No, it's true. It's true. It exists to suppress the Christian church. It doesn't mean that the people putting these things forward necessarily have them on the forefront of their mind. Because frankly, the people in positions of power are followers. They, they, don't, they, don't, they, they wouldn't understand cultural Marxism if it walked up and slapped them in the face. They, they're just parroting mm-hmm. the, the philosophies they've learned in universities. The people that are teaching them those things are parroting the philosophies that they were taught when they were in school and it, 
you follow the, tr the trail back to the early cultural Marxists. <clears throat> and then there's a spiritual dimension to this as well, where they're influenced by the powers of darkness. So um, we need good Christian people to uh, hire people based upon biblical um, values. And we need more people, frankly, in government that are going to mm -hmm. push for laws, if we need laws in the area of employment at all, uh, that <clears throat> are going to be based upon Christ laws, mm -hmm. and Christ, the 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 uh, benevolent and um, godly humanizing laws of of Christ. But we need to reject cultural Marxism, standpoint ideologies, pseudo uh, equity. Uh, pseudo gospel equity laws it's all smoke and mirrors and um you know it needs to be repudiated for the for the lie that it is mm -hmm. excellent yeah i was reminded when you were speaking of the proverb that speaks that evil men do not understand justice at all but the one who follows god understands it fully right we understand justice because we're going back to the true source of justice we understand equity properly all those things and so just a reminder again for us to go back to the word of God where our true root is, right? It happens on every level of society, <clears throat> even in terms of social welfare systems, which on, on the surface seem kind of Christian. Like why would we not have a big pot mm -hmm. as a society, throw money into it to help the disadvantaged? Because without Christ's laws, it becomes an unrestrained mess. And now you have able-bodied people for generations sticking their hand into the pot mm -hmm to take money from people that are working. And it 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 present in a in a Christ antichrist culture. Um I was gonna say a Christless culture, but Christ is still in our culture, but many of those in positions of power are antichrist. Mm -hmm. In an antichrist culture, they they present themselves with a measure of of benevolence. Let's collect money to help the poor. No, you're collecting money to buy votes from people who don't want to work. Now, along the way, are there a few people that have legitimate needs that are going to be helped? Yes, mm -hmm. I know of some, but it's so abused and that's because it becomes unrestrained. And, and yeah, we don't want people being excluded from jobs because they're not the right skin tone. But apart from Christ, it's actually used to contravene the gospel, mm -hmm. to present man as benevolent and... Um, you know, to present an agenda that ultimately wants to bring about the demise of the, of, um, the Christian faith in the West. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, thanks for walking us through that. And uh, hopefully for our listeners, it's helpful for you to process through that and uh, to think through these matters. A reminder, if you're listening to Leadership Now for the first time, we'd enjoy it. I think you'd enjoy it too to subscribe so you get regular updates uh, when the new episodes drop. Please also share it. We have a variety of different platforms that you can uh, find us on. Obviously, you found us on the one you're on right now, but also um, over on uh, the newly developed Beachhead Media that we're uh, putting out there, I guess you could say. Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, the pursuitofglory.org website, and others like Spotify and uh, YouTube and more. So search us up and uh, Make sure to give us a thumbs up if you can, a like, a share. That helps us out. And we'll hope to see you tune in next week for another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock.